Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert, and I am here this evening with Dr. Millicent Ravello. Dr. Ravello, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. You know, I have to say, as these podcasts go on, your intros get more and more ebullient. Like, <laughs> like you're really getting into this intro thing. Uh, that's what I've, been, I've been thinking about being ebullient. <laughs> I'm many, Dr. J. Calvert. So this is a, a good thing, I think. It sounds good anyway. I'm happy to be that way. Uh, yeah, I think as we do more podcasts, I have more interest in really focusing our information for our listeners. And I think our topics are becoming more focused, more detailed. Yes, definitely. And, and, and that makes me happy. Yeah, we started off with, you know, sort of a shotgun approach, broad general information on these topics. And now we're sort of starting to break them down into their individual components. Well, and that's, that's good. I think our listeners are digging it. We are gaining listeners, which is very helpful. Um, we're not just speaking for ourselves, which is good. I mean, kind of, a little bit, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> but I really think that if, um, like if you want to dig into a topic, and by the way, you can uh, direct message us uh, for the listeners if you have a topic you want to hear about. Um, and we've taken a bunch of suggestions, mm-hmm. like the hairline lowering yep. was a suggestion, fat grafting of the breast. And we kind of do the stuff that we're, we're kind of doing in the OR, too. We right. talk about that a lot. And so you have a few gynecomastia I do. cases coming up. Right. And that, that is usually how we pick topic. It's like, oh, what am I doing a lot of these days? Or what's coming up for me? Let's talk about that. So yeah, I, I did a one, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. I have another couple coming up this month. So I said, let's talk about gynecomastia. So gynecomastia, and, and in fact, I had a uh, patient contact me about the cost for gynecomastia because his insurance isn't interested. And gynecomastia is basically like, managing male breast tissue, which, you know, I was waiting for it. Come on. Just say it's man boobs. (laughs) It's man boobs. (laughs) Well, I wanted you to say that. I just just work here. Um, yeah, it's all about man boobs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a, it's a heavy duty topic because every guy has breast tissue. Yes. The question is, does it look bad and is it unmanageable and unattractive and bothersome and right and and to what degree do they have it because that's the thing men can get breast cancer this is a known fact and it is a man who do not necessarily have maybe visibly what look like man boobs but yet they can still get breast cancer because every person man or woman has a little bit of breast tissue in the chest area and so in gynecomastia that breast tissue is overdeveloped yeah it's Man boobs, like you said, <laughs> and they can be big. I mean, yes. you can get guys, and there's a lot of things that cause it. We know that there are things that, you know, enhance the growth of male breast tissue, which is you know not great. But there's a lot of guys. I think it's probably twenty percent have you know some uh, gynecomastia through puberty, and and then yeah, it, it can actually be about the same through adulthood. I mean, yeah. Every, I I know that as men get older, they're obviously they lose the uh, the volume of their pec muscles, and then what's left is you know just, not just fat, but it's also breast tissue. It is, and it has to do with the changes in the hormones. So as men get older, testosterone goes down, estrogen goes up a little bit, and so they do see more of the breast tissue, and so that's typically sort of the curve that you see with gynecomastia you see an early peak in that early pubescent time age 13 14 as hormones are changing weight changes and it's not uncommon to see adolescent boys at that age with increased breast tissue 
most of the time that breast tissue goes away. And so when we see that early on, if someone comes to us at that age, we say, you know what, just wait, just hold off, see what happens in a couple years. Most of the time it goes away on its own. It's when it persists past puberty that it becomes more of an issue. Yeah, it doesn't look great and it can be painful. That's for sure. It can hurt. Male male, uh, breast tissue definitely can be painful. It definitely can. But I think really the main component for why people want it fixed is it's for the same reason a female wants, you know, implants or a breast reduction. It's aesthetics. There's a lot of things that they just don't want or like on their body. And male breast tissue happens to be one of them. For the younger teenagers, especially if they're playing sports, sometimes they get picked on in the locker room. They don't want to take their shirts off at the beach or at friends' houses in the pools. They're really self-conscious about it. And that's, that's not nothing. That's a big deal yeah i mean it's it's really common and it's actually you know it's not a trivial operation it's not it is a real operation it has a lot of detail and finesse to it so it's every much a plastic surgery operation as anything else that we do yeah detail and finesse is a great way to look at this operation because again you're trying to you know it's it's like sculpting. You start with a big block of stone and the sculpture isn't made by what you take away. It's what you leave behind. And that is really gynecomastia yes. because you don't want to overdo the reduction, no. you know, cause there's a lot of uh, issues. If you take too much, then you have skin stretched over the, you know, the muscles that can look very odd and you can get a discoid deformity. Cause typically with gynecomastia, the way that I think about it is there's some amount of liposuction, which is, you know, a reductive move, but there's also a certain amount of excision, direct excision yes. of the breast tissue through a periareolar incision, or uh, in some cases when they're just really big breasts, I actually make a, uh, a, a inframammary incision and lift up a skin flap, leaving all the breast tissue down, then take the breast tissue out. Pull the skin down like an abdominoplasty, yeah. zip it up along the inframammary fold, and then stick the nipple back on as a free nipple graft. Right. Yeah, that's I mean, it, it, that's the whole range of gynecomastia from least invasive to maximally invasive treatment of it. And so when you look at these patients, that's sort of the steps that you have to go through when they come into your office. The first thing you have to say, well, number one is why do you have this? You do have to do a little bit of a medical workup on them. Absolutely. You, you can't just start operating on them. You have to find out and make sure there's no other underlying conditions that are causing that. 99% of the time, 95% of the time, it's idiopathic or there's no reason for it. But there is a percentage of patients that may have some underlying issues. So we do typically check hormone levels. Um, there's a test, evidently, a panel you can run. Just hormone for, levels. Hormone levels. Just send that right out and it's not a big deal. No, I think no, you should probably no, specify. There are specific ones. That. And really, it's the ones that look at the reproductive system, the thyroid system as well, to really make sure there's nothing funky happening that's causing this abnormal breast tissue. We look at medications the patients may be taking that could be contributing. And we always ask about a history of marijuana use because marijuana use does increase the size of the breast tissue in males. We do get imaging, we get a mammogram or an ultrasound to make sure there's no breast masses there that might be contributing. And once we sort of knocked off all those big, bad, ugly medical conditions that could be contributing, and all we're left with is, hey, you have this and we don't really know why, then we can proceed to address it. Yeah, marijuana use is like a big deal. It is. It is like, I, I don't know why that is a problem. And now with it being sort of, you know, massively legal. Right, anyone, <laughs> everyone more, can do it. More 
Morgana Camastia. I guess that's you know. I, so I have this. I have a patient who, when I, we were going through the whole process, you know, he didn't have any other reason for it. And he was like, you know, I do use marijuana recreationally. Do you think that's? He's like, I don't think that's contributing. I've had this since I was, you know, a teenager, even before I was ever using marijuana. Um, but just in all honesty, letting you know, I use it. I'm like, okay, well don't and but we'll still do the surgery did the surgery it was great I mean, he was as flat a chest as you could get he looked really good and he came back like seven eight nine months later and he had a little bit of gynecomastia that had recurred and he's like you know doc i have been smoking i'm like well, there you go <laughs> you can't do it that works. <laughs> i mean marijuana makes man boobs it makes man boobs yeah that's a, that's a big problem people don't really like man boobs Another thing you have to differentiate, you know, between is, is this related to weight, overweight, you know, an overweight child, you will see the excess breast tissue as they get older and as the hormones change and hopefully as they lose weight, some of that goes away, but you still can have adults and older males that are just overweight. And so it's not so much that they have breast tissue per se, as they just have fatty breasts. And that's what a mammogram and ultrasound is good for because a, a mammogram or ultrasound can actually tell you this is breast tissue or this is fat. Right. And if it's just fat, that's fine. You can still address it. You can still do things for that. But if you're trying to get it covered on the insurance dollar, that's where it may fall off. Right. And you have to, you have to suction that fat out too. And, and again, it's, it's all about aesthetics and it's about you know, really being a sculptor. I mean, I, I think these are really finesse cases. You got to be an artist, you know, and, and I will say that one of my patients today just made my day because she said, uh, you know, we were talking about a facelift and she said, you know, the problem is, is that so few plastic surgeons really have an artistic eye. She goes, the reason that I'm here is because of what you did for my daughter, you know, for her nose and, and, I, I just think that I have to have somebody who's an artist to work on me. And I said, yes, you have to identify, is this plastic surgeon yeah. able to make your chest look like, because anybody can suck out fat. Right. Anybody can cut out tissue. But who's going to make it look really great? Especially, right. this is like a big deal for dudes. Right, because this has when, to look nice. it has to look nice. And the whole concept is that you're taking out extra breast tissue or extra fat, and you're leaving behind skin, a thin layer of fat, so you can see the muscles and the contours underneath. So you don't have a lot of wiggle room when you're taking out all of that intervening tissue and leaving behind a relatively thin layer on top of the muscle. You don't have a lot of wiggle room for error because you're going to see any contour deformities. Right. And you've got you've got to blend it. It's got yeah. to look great. I've had like some redo gynecomastias that have been really hard to fix because once it's scarred in, like your best shot in plastic surgery to get it right is to get it right on the first go. And, and, you know, it doesn't always happen. I get that. It, it's like, but if you can nail it on the first go round, boy, that's no, that, that would be that's ideal. That's the way to be. Um, so complications of gynecomastia. We talked about discoid deformity. Um, that's where there's yeah. like, it looks like somebody took a donut of tissue out around the nipple area uh, right. complex. And it looks like there's like a, like a divot that's yeah. been taken with yeah, a sandwich. There was just, you have to leave a little bit right under that nipple areolar complex. Because um, otherwise, yeah, saucer deformity, discoid deformity. It looks like someone like scooped it out and it's really stuck down. That's a hard problem to fix. Sure I mean, is. That's a hard problem. Um, so that's always a, a, a potential complication. Any kind of contour irregularities or asymmetries are a potential complication. Probably the most 
common early complication is a hematoma, which is a colitis. <laughs> yep, it, it's it is it is common. Probably of all the procedures we do, this Jesus, is probably the one that's gonna that? have a hematoma because you're working through a small hole and you're bovying and cutting through breast tissue, which is vascular. And it's young men, a lot of times, and it's young men they just have high yeah vascular tone. And- so it's not uncommon to get some early post-op bleeding, which. Usually it means you have to do some kind of intervention, whether it's in the OR or in the office, just to evacuate that blood clot. Um, and then you're fine. And then you, you can go on about your business. That's probably the most common. Infection's very rare. Sensation changes usually go away. But really, it's going to be residual contour deformities that are probably the most um, long-term common complication. Yeah. The other problem that I've seen is when the initial surgery was not the right one for that particular patient. So gynecomastia patients are going to have a range of presentations and one surgery might not be the right surgery for all of them. So like you said, some patients need a full excision, big incisions, free grafting of the nipple. And if you don't do a more extensive procedure, sometimes you can get a really ugly result. Yep. And uh, those, you know, that, that all comes from you know, planning the procedure properly. You got to do it right. Got to do it right. For a small-er-breasted male patient, you can do the little periareolar incision right under the areola, take out the breast tissue, do a nice liposuction of the chest wall, and that's it. That's all they need. But if you start getting into the larger breasts where the nipple areolar complex is hanging low and sagging just like a female breast can do, that's not going to work. You're going to need to remove skin. You're going to need to do something about the nipple. You can't just do a little liposuction and call it a day. No, now you're into like a mastopexy type right. of operation. Right. Totally different deal. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've done all that stuff. I mean, uh, you know, I, th- I think that the overriding theme for a lot of our podcasts is all about customization of the plan yeah. and really being smart with the analysis of what's going on and then making the plan accordingly. You have to have vision for these results. Right. You have to diagnose and treat it, treat it appropriately. Um, and usually these patients do, do pretty well. You know, when, yep. when diagnosed and treated appropriately, um, you know, maybe a few hiccups, you know, every patient every once in a while might have a hematoma or some kind of issue. But in general, a couple of days of pain and soreness, by a week they're moving around okay. You aren't going to have to wear some kind of compression vest or garment for six weeks to really get that skin to stick down to the chest wall and to prevent the future swelling. Um, but they're generally fairly well-tolerated outpatient procedures. I think the only other thing to sort of touch on there too, though, is insurance. We kind of mentioned it briefly. Yeah, you did. I mean, you have to get these authorized if you're going to try to have insurance uh, pay for them because it really is about um, having all, like every insurance has like a different set of right. um, requirements yeah. if, for, before they'll authorize the surgery. If they'll paid. authorize it. Some of them yeah. say not even a covered benefit, not yeah. medically necessary. That's right. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot more of that lately where they just say, you know, gynecomastia, live with it. Right. Yeah. It's a cosmetic thing, not a medical condition. If you have a plan that does cover it, there are going to be some hoops to jump through. That's when we have to check those hormone levels, do the studies, rule out any underlying problems. That's where you really have to prove that this is a condition that needs treatment. And they do look for all of those things. And in that situation, if you're lucky and you have the right insurance plan, they may cover it. Well said, Dr. (laughs) Ravello. Well, I think that's it. I think that's that's sort of gynecomastia in a nutshell. Your website, you have a bunch of information I on it. I think so. I should. So do I. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can go to our websites, check it out. I'll. Uh, we should get some before and afters up onto the uh, onto the Instagram. And uh, yeah, I think with that said, 
This is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is brought to you by Rock Spa. This is Medi Spa, located both in Beverly Hills and Newport Beach, providing services such as Botox, fillers, lasers, and all therapy, as well as hydrofacials and all the aesthetic products you could possibly need. It's run by the medical director, me, Dr. Jay Calvert. Rock Spa Beverly Hills is located at 120 South Spalding Drive in Suite 340, Beverly Hills, 90212. The phone number there is 310-777-0496. And Rock Spa Newport Beach is located at 1617 West Cliff Drive, Newport Beach, California, 92660. The phone number there is 949-640-1111. You can go to their respective websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. Rockspa was created to help my patients maintain their aesthetic beauty in between whatever operations they have throughout their lives. It's something that allows patients to come in, get their facials, skin treatments, take care of all the Botox fillers and lasers that they need to keep up their beauty, and if they've invested in any of the aesthetic operations I perform, it's the way to maintain those operations. If you mention this podcast, you will get the member's pricing for your hydrofacial. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is the way that Dr. Ravello and I talk about the issues that are important to us in plastic surgery, but there's nothing better than getting to take care of our patients and do plastic surgery. Our practices are located in Beverly Hills, and I also have a satellite office in Newport Beach. You can learn about my practice at drcalvert.com, and you can reach my office by calling 310-777-8800, and that will get you an appointment either in Beverly Hills or at the Newport Beach office. My practice is located in Beverly Hills. Our office phone number is 310-954-1355. You can also contact us directly through the website, which is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. We look forward to seeing you in the office for some aesthetic tune-ups.